Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas is a 1993 stop-motion animated film. The film follows the misadventures of Jack Skeleton, Halloween Town's beloved pumpkin king, who has become bored with the annual routine of frightening people. Jack accidentally stumbles on Christmas Town, filled with bright colors and warm spirits. As a result, he gets a new lease on life and plans to bring Christmas under his control by kidnapping Santa Claus. But Jack soon discovers even the best laid plans can go seriously awry. Even the best laid plans can go seriously awry. If that doesn't describe 2020, I don't know what does. So grab your Bible, grab a notepad, whatever you must to take some notes, and let's get into Christmas at the Movies Part 4. Now before we do so, what is the mission of Forest Park Church? It's quite simple. Help people follow Jesus one step at a time. Everything we do here at Forest Park is all about teaching people what it means to follow Jesus. All right, let's get into part four of Christmas at the Movies. Walt Disney Pictures presents... I am the Pumpkin King! From the mind of Tim Burton, the nightmare before Christmas. You're joking! I can't believe my ears! What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. There's children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. They're busy building toys. Absolutely no one's dead. There's frost in every window. Oh, I can't believe my eyes. And in my bones I feel the warmth that's coming from inside. My dearest Jack. Sally. This year, Christmas will be ours! Open it up, quickly! And what did Santa bring you, honey? Oh, ho, ho! Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Eureka! Even the best laid plans can go seriously awry. If that doesn't describe 2020, I don't know what does. Ironically, all that happened this year happened in a year where people were boasting of clarity and vision. You know, 2020 vision. The, the beginning of the year was filled with goals and dreams that we were all going to fulfill. Sermon series swirled around the idea of vision. Articles on how to make the best of 2020. All the best laid plans. And almost all of them went awry. When our teaching team discussed the Christmas movies we were using as basis for the series, I chose a different movie than the one we're using today. But Josh Josephson, our communications pastor, mentioned the nightmare before Christmas because of what we experienced in 2020 and how portions of this year felt like a nightmare. As soon as he mentioned it, I said, yes, exactly, great idea. Back in March of this year, I sat here in our lobby with Josh and Ashlyn, my daughter, and aired a live message. Our governor, Roy Cooper, asked for churches to consider not meeting in large groups. We complied, ignorant to the reality we would not gather again for seven months. Never did I imagine we would cancel our women's conference, Adore, all of our Easter services, Ecuador 2020, Kenya 2020, VBS for kids, even our rescheduled Adore conference, we moved it to October, we canceled that one. Our staff retreat, on and on it goes. 
mask wearing, social distancing, businesses closing, and most of all, I never imagined I wouldn't be present in the waiting room when Elliot, my second grandson, made his entrance into this world back in April. And to think, over 330,000 people dead attributed to COVID-19. What a nightmare. So Josh was right. The Nightmare Before Christmas is a perfect Christmas movie to highlight during this year. So where do we go from here? I call your attention to a small and probably unfamiliar passage of scripture in the small book of Haggai in the Old Testament. Haggai 1, 4, 5, and 6. This is what it says. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Notice what Haggai says, give careful thought to your ways. 2020 caused me to give careful thought to my ways. So here's what I want to do to wrap up the series and to use this movie as a springboard for this talk today. I'm sharing with you a few of my thoughts I've given to many of my ways, and I'm giving you some drops of wisdom I gleaned from 2020 and then some sprinkles of hope I have for 2021. Number one, everything changes. My life and circles of friends and goals and dreams and family look differently at the end of 2020 than at the beginning. I always knew things change, but this year has solidified that reality more than ever. Nothing, absolutely nothing remains the same. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There's a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens, a time for giving birth and a time for dying. A time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted. A time for killing and a time for healing. A time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for crying and a time for laughing. A time for mourning and a time for dancing. A time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones. A time for embracing and a time for avoiding embraces. A time for searching and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for throwing away. A time for tearing and a time for repairing, a time for keeping silent, and a time for speaking, a time for loving, and a time for hating, a time for war, and a time for peace. There is a time for everything. And whatever season you're in currently, you need to remember it will not last long, and a new season with new gifts and new challenges is on the way. This past year reminded me painful seasons of life are temporary. They are not eternal. Not sorrow, not depression, not sickness, not disappointment. None of those things last forever. Each pass over like the dark rolling clouds above, some remaining longer than others, some with more rain and lightning and thunder than others. But I've also learned neither do the pleasure seasons of life last forever. Not youth, not health, not strength, not friends, not growth, not popularity, not creativity. Everything changes. There is a season for each thing. So the wisdom I've gleaned is very simple yet profound. Learn everything possible from your current season because your current season, whether it is one of pain or pleasure, is a gift. There are lessons to learn, experiences to have, friends to make, pain and pleasure to feel. Also, 
because your current season, whether it is one of pain or pleasure, prepares you for what's next or what's coming soon. Every season has embedded within the wisdom needed for the next season. What you are experiencing today is preparing you for what you will endure tomorrow. Number two, life is fragile. I realize it more now than ever. Every hour is delicate. One phone call, one text, one email, one conversation has the potential to shatter everything I know and love. So the question I consistently ask is, do I respect what I know and love as I should? Do I honor this moment, celebrate this now, laugh and mourn with this present reality? Time moves quickly and abruptly, gathering no permission, caring not what it takes from us or what it gives to others. It steals our time and leaves us memories. Time lifts some of us onto stages and lowers others of us into the ground. Time moves whether you and I are aware or whether we are clueless. We are but one heartbeat away from eternity. Life is fragile. Number three, few things matter. If you would have met me 20 years ago, I would have provided you with a long list of the things that mattered to me. Today, only three things matter. I love and enjoy many things, but nowhere close to these three. First, family. I didn't grow up with a large family. I'm an only child. I spent a large portion of my childhood alone and lonely. When I met Lana, my wife, her family welcomed me warmly. I was hesitant to allow my heart to get too involved. I wanted to protect myself, guard my heart from hurt, disappointment, and letdown. Now, I no longer care. I love my family. There is nothing I enjoy more than gathering together, listening to them talk, laugh, share ideas, make memories, and live life. Family, there is nothing better. Also, friends. Many years ago, I read something that bothered me. The article said, if at the end of your life you have five genuine friends, people you can count on no matter what, you are blessed. I remember thinking, how pathetic. Only five friends at the end of one's life? You see, at that time, I labeled a lot of people friends. So I assumed I would have all of them and a few more by the end of my life. How naive. As negative as this might sound, it's the truth. I can count on one hand the friends I have today that I had five years ago. People who are friendly are a dime a dozen, and you can find them abundant in any coffee shop or social platform. But genuine friends are as rare as diamonds, and it will require your entire lifetime to discover them. I've learned I don't need many, just a few good ones. And today, I cherish those I have more than ever. Three, faith. Folks, what else is there really? If you live, but you do so without faith in God, without faith in people, without faith in love, why live? You may have gained a lot, but you have lost everything. I cherish my faith today in a way I cannot describe. I don't have the words. Without it, life would lose all meaning, all purpose, all reason to continue. Life without faith is a life without sense, without value, without significance, a life not worth living. My faith has changed significantly over the last 10 years or so. It has deepened, it has expanded, it has evolved into a faith I would never have imagined in my 30s or early 40s. And this year has only enriched 
and developed it further. So what have I learned in 2020? I've learned at least these three things. Everything changes, life is fragile, few things matter. So what hopes do I have for 2021? Also, three. Number one, I will live in the now. I spent a large portion of my life trying to get somewhere else. Always discontented with today, ready for a change, something better, something more. I was convinced tomorrow would be superior to today, and I wasted meaningful, beautiful, gorgeous times dreaming about what was next. Always hopeful the next season would be what I longed for. The next adventure would be the adventure to end all adventures. The next experience would fulfill my cravings and desires. I've traveled around the sun 51 times and I'm done with all that silliness. I'm finished. This moment is all there is. Tomorrow hasn't been created and yesterday is unable to be recreated. This second, this moment, this exact space and time is all there is and all there ever will be. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 6. Jesus says, therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they? And then verse 34, he says, therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Everything is one glorious, robust, exceptional mind blowing now. God is now overflowing in this exact moment. My life is one long, never ending moment. There is no tomorrow. There is no yesterday. Those titles are simply used to provide reference and plot memory and assist with planning. There is nothing beyond right now. And in 2021, I will live in the now. Number two, I will invest in a few. I used to want to affect and inspire and impact the many, the crowd, the masses. I dreamed of the day when I could sway a large gathering. I connected my impact on this planet to the amount of people in front of me at any given time. The more people, the more of an impact. No more. I care only about a few. And my crew has grown smaller over the years, not larger. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but I couldn't care any less. Now I simply want a few people I can get close enough to and make a difference in their lives. A few people I can pour into. A few people who care to know what I know. Who want the stripped down, unpolluted, concentrated reality of my soul. That's all. I now realize why Jesus surrounded himself with 12. Not 12,000. 12. And out of the 12, 3. Peter, James, and John. Rarely does anything good arise from a crowd. Just a handful. It's more than enough. And number three, I will love with abandon. I'm a cautious person. I'm a careful person. I do not make decisions quickly. I think and reason and question and wait and think some more. Because I do, I live reserved. I rarely put everything on the line. I, I save, I withhold, I measure carefully. I've lived most of my life this way. Not anymore. Life changes too quickly. It's too fragile. 
and only a few things matter. I'm ready to pour out, all out, fully out. Nikos, the great Greek writer, said there are three kinds of souls and three prayers. The first kind of soul offers the first prayer. I'm a bow in your hands, Lord. Draw me, lest I rot. This was me in my late teens and through my 20s. Use me, God, to do great things. The second kind of soul offers the second prayer. Do not overdraw me, Lord. I shall break. This became me in my 30s and into my 40s. I'm not sure how much I can do, God. I think I might break. I'm not indestructible, you know. I have a family and a life. Be careful with me. The third kind of soul offers the third prayer. Overdraw me, Lord, and who cares if I break? This is me now. God, do whatever you want. I really don't care. Life is about a few things anyway. I have a group of misfits that meet on Monday evenings for a little discussion around a chosen book. We are currently going through Sacred Fire by Father Roland Rawheiser. In his book, he outlines the three different kinds of discipleship, or levels of spiritual maturity. The first level, he calls essential discipleship. That's the struggle to get our lives together. The second level, he labels as mature discipleship. That's the struggle to give our lives away. And the third level, or the last level he gives, is called radical discipleship. That's the struggle to give our deaths away. I spent 20 years struggling to get my life together. I've spent the last 10 years giving it away. And I will spend the rest of my years continuing to give what's left of my life away and learning what it means to give my death away. This year has been difficult. It has been filled with disappointment, discouragement, and death. Yet I have hope. The Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, writing to suffering Christians, those who were scattered outside the land of Israel, listened to his words. James 1, 2, 3, and 4. My brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let this endurance complete its work so you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. This past year has been brutal on many levels, cruel, unforgiving, relentless, and disheartening. Yet James instructs us to consider this past year an occasion for joy. Why? Because it teaches us, it trains us, it brings us toward maturity, and that's what we will do. I've learned a lot this year. I believe you have too. Three things I've learned. Everything changes. Life is fragile. Few things matter. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live in the now. I will invest in a few, and I will love with abandon. And I ask you to join me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this series. Father, I pray that you will take these little talks that we've given and the scriptures that we've tried to piece together to bring hope and to bring healing and to bring peace to people during a very difficult season, a very difficult year. I pray you will weave these things together to lift, to bring hope, to bring life to so many people who are at the end of a year that they're not even sure what to call it. 
They don't even know maybe what to say about it. It's been painful. It's been difficult. It's been disheartening. But Father, I pray that something has been said over these last few weeks, and especially today, as we just say, let's learn from this past year and let's move into the new year with the wisdom we've gleaned. So Father, I pray you will lift the hearts of everybody watching, everyone listening, encourage them, let hope arise within them, and may we realize that there are only a few things that really matter. And Father, may we give our heart and our soul and our energy and our money and our time to what really matters in this world. Thank you for your grace and mercy and compassion. Thank you for your love. And we ask and we believe these things in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for watching this video. While you're here, make sure you subscribe and turn the bell on so you don't miss any other videos or content Forest Park releases. Make sure you share this with a friend. Take a few moments and check out some other things Forest Park has.